Welcome to the Manly Pinterest Tip Show. Show. A show designed to assist man in his quest to succeed on Pinterest. If you have interests in the content you want to share, content you want your clients to see, learn ways to grow and succeed in this unique and exciting world, one man will assist you on your journey. To become a pinner and grow your presence online, men and women can share in the success. And here to show you how is your host, is your host Jeff C. Adding testosterone, one pin at a time. Hello, folks. Welcome to the Manly Pinterest Tips Podcast. I'm Jeff C., and you're not. I'm very excited to welcome today's guest, Alisa Meredith, to the show today, because we're going to have a great conversation on how you can generate leads with Pinterest. Alisa is Senior Inbound Marketer at Scalable Social Media and an in-house Pinterest fanatic at Overgo Studio, both HubSpot partner agencies. When she's not pinning, she's creating content, managing social media, editing, auditing websites and lead generation channels, or creating marketing plans. But mostly, she's pinning. She started back in 1999 as a writer, creating downloadable ebooks before it was a thing, and a website developer, and rather by chance ended up in social media and inbound marketing in 2010. She says the HubSpot content marketing methodology just made everything click, and it's almost too easy to make it work with Pinterest. She doesn't like to be called an expert or guru in anything, but she sure does love Pinterest and what it can do for businesses. This interview is from a live hangout on air that I did with Elisa, where our live audience participated by asking questions during the interview. If you'd like to be a part of one of our live shows, make sure to head over to manlypinteresttips.com and join our email community to find out how you can be a part of our live show. In fact, at the start of the show, you'll hear me become a little bit flabbergasted because when I was doing her intro, Elisa was putting on a fake beard and it threw me for a loop. You never know what my guest might do on the show. So let's jump right into my interview with Elisa Meredith. Elisa, thanks so much for spending time with us today. Well, thanks oh, thanks. Oh, very nice. Very good. <laughs> nice beard. Well, I also have a little bag when you say, I'm just saying you're not. So. Oh, so you get a little, yeah, that looks good. Yeah. It needs to be a little, the, the color's a little off. Oh, I know. I'm not trying to get it quite right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it looks great. You're scared people probably, though. I know, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Well, thanks so much for being here, and thank you for the uh, beard tribute. That, that's awesome. Um, so, you know, first of all, I would like our viewers. See, you threw me off with the beard thing. I'm just, I know, I know. My mind is shut down seeing a, a good-looking girl with a beard. So here, here we go. Um, we'd like for, if you guys are watching, to head over to manlypinteresttips.com and subscribe to our email community so you will know when more ladies with beards will show up on the <laughs> show. So, Alicia, I want to kind of let you have a chance and kind of um, tell people, you know, how you got to where you're at, kind of your backstory and how you got involved with social media. Sure. It was all a bunch of accidents, happy accidents. Like you said, I started out with writing and website development. Um, and then in about 2010, someone I had created a website for asked me, do you know anything about social media? And I said, no. <laughs> but he brought me into this business, Scalable Social Media, to be the website developer. And over time, um, I just took over social media. Actually, 
maybe only about six months. Um, and then I became a partner in that business and became a HubSpot partner in, in 2011. So like you said in the introduction, it just all made sense that websites and social media uh, and lead generation, it just all needed to come together and and that's what happened. So gotcha. I, I feel like I'm where where I belong right now as far as work goes. Gotcha. Well, we're going to be talking all about lead generation today. And so uh, the live audience, if you have any questions for Elisa, just make sure you uh, ask them in the comments, and we'll try to get to them later on in the show. But Elisa, I want to kind of, you know, for people who are just getting into marketing or social media, I kind of want to get back to kind of marketing 101. So just so we're all on the same page, what exactly, when you talk about lead generation, what does that mean, especially when it pertains to social media? Okay, well, lead generation is the way that you bring a website visitor from the point of just reading on your website to becoming a contact or a lead. So you would entice them with some kind of wonderful downloadable content that's so good that they're willing to part with some contact information. And then where, where social media comes in is to bring the traffic from social media to those landing pages or to a blog post with a call to action to a landing page. So it's just that process of transforming a visitor into a lead. Gotcha. Now, are you finding most of your traffic, when you talk about traffic for lead generation, is coming from social media? Um, I wouldn't say most of it. Not for scalable social media, but like for one of our customers, I was really surprised when I went to do a blog post last week that um, fully 57%, I think it is, of all his traffic comes from Pinterest alone. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty so it is incredibly powerful, and even like with with my site, uh, about fourteen percent of our traffic comes from Pinterest. It's, and then you have Facebook and Google Plus and LinkedIn. It's just too big to ignore for lead generation. Right. Well, uh, I know a HubSpot because I went and kind of because I know you're a big HubSpot lady. I went and uh, I went and they talk about two different types of leads. So they talk about direct leads and indirect leads. So can you kind of explain what the difference is between those two? Sure. So a direct lead would be where you pin an image that links to a landing page where the person becomes a lead right there on that first page they visit. An indirect lead, they would come in maybe to a blog post or another page on your site. Then they would find a call to action that leads them to a landing page, and from there they would become a lead. So there's just an extra step in between. Do the uh, direct leads usually convert better? Is that why? I mean, it seems to me like you know having it go to the, you know, the bottom. I mean, I see a lot of it. You know, on blog posts, you'll scroll to the bottom and you'll see a pop up that'll come. At, you know, you've read the post and there's a pop up. Find out more. Or, you know, get this free offer. Do they convert better? I mean, or is it is it a good idea to kind of mix them up and have both? Oh, definitely mix it up and have both because um, you definitely want to share your blog posts and every blog post should have a powerful call to action in it that will lead people to a landing page. So, I mean, sure, if someone comes right from Pinterest to a landing page, knowing that they're coming to a landing page, that's more likely to convert than if they go from Pinterest to a blog post and then you're asking them to take that extra step. But still, they're both very valuable. Gotcha. Well, you know, you know, we've kind of mentioned before, we've talked to, and we've talked on many shows how awesome Pinterest is at driving traffic and a couple episodes ago I talked with my friend Shannon Hernandez who's really great about building email lists and how Pinterest can help do that so um, how exactly and we'll get into it deeper I know but Pinterest I don't think people ought to think of Pinterest as driving lead generation and I know you have some client examples you mentioned earlier what kind of pins was he was he using to capture leads 
Well, um, we create offers for this client once a month. So like one offer that was pretty popular was a collection of smoothie recipes. Mm. So when they were healthy, um, which, you know, a lot of them are just glorified milkshakes. So we, right, right. And he's a nutritionist. So Those are my favorite. Yeah, we went on that angle of here's some really healthy smoothies that actually taste great. So we created a pinnable image for each recipe, which brought them to that landing page to get all the recipes. And that worked really great for that. Gotcha. Um, well, in that blog post, you know, you talk about landing pages. So what, when you look at landing pages, what are you looking for? What to you makes a great landing page? Well, that's a good question. Um, first of all, it needs to be non-distracting, so there should be no navigation. Um, because it's very clear what we want you to do right there. It should have a form that has only as many fields as you need. So you collect useful information, but you're not scaring people off by how much you're asking. Right. Um, it should clearly outline what they're going to get and how it will benefit them. And then to me, kind of a peeve of mine is when the when the submit button actually says submit. That, that's, that turns people off. Ah. It, it sounds like too much of a commitment. It's kind of a negative word. So think of something a little more positive, and people are more likely to to convert. So, like, give me give me some examples of what you would use for a a button instead of submit. Uh, get it now. Claim yours here. Uh, okay. Um, and remind me, I want to ask you a question about that because I okay. I have a feeling that that you you probably split A B test those you know those buttons to you know to find out which one works the best when you kind of test your landing pages uh i know hubspot has probably it's all built in landing page do you have any other sort of like i know lead pages is a is another uh landing page software is any other ones that you would you've seen that work well and look really good no i mean if i if i did not have hubspot i would be using lead pages okay yeah. Yeah, I've been real impressed with them. Uh, we actually went to a, a couple weeks ago to a, a podcast movement. They had some, um, they had some talks on it, and it was just really, really powerful. The stuff yeah. that you do with lead pages. So. Great. Um, so, we we're talking about landing pages and lead generation. So, when you drive your traffic back to that landing page, mm -hmm. what kind of um, are you just using Pinterest, or are you you using every single thing you can think of to go? back to that landing page. Yeah, I mean, why not? You want to give it the best shot of getting found and getting more leads. Right. And is it, does it depend on, um, I guess, your client and their industry, which social network works best? Or does Pinterest work good for all of them? Or, um, I mean, how do you decide, okay, I want to spend time, because it takes time to make pins. I mean, it really does. Um, when you go, well, I, that, that industry is not going to use it very much, so I'm going to spend more time on Twitter, or do you have kind of a rationale yeah, that you use? That's exactly what we do. We think about whether their audience is on the platform to begin with, right. and then even if they're on it for personal reasons or whatever, um, we think about what their interests are on that platform, and if it just doesn't fit, then we're not going to spend the time on it. Gotcha. So, like an undertaker probably wouldn't do a lot of pins on Pinterest. I'm just, if I haven't seen any, but yeah. that'd, be, that'd be a challenge a little bit. It sure would. I, I mean, people want to go to Pinterest to explore and, and to dream. I, I don't think that would be the best fit. <laughs> that, was, that was an extreme example. But yeah, I was, I was trying to think of something that would not, because most industries, you can kind of be creative 
and think of ways. You know, you can go behind the scenes, which you definitely don't want to do at an Undertaker's. But you <laughs> could sure. you could go behind the scenes on on something that maybe is not so sexy or you know you wouldn't think what people would want to. But there's a lot of creative ways you can do that on Pinterest that I think a lot of people just kind of dismiss out of hand. Um, Absolutely. So, um, we're talking about we kind of mentioned before the the different you know instead of submit clicking submit which that's a really great tip because that's that's one thing even I do is I just when I build a forum I just the default thing says submit and I just leave it but that's a really good tip to okay think about you know a little more call to actiony on your yeah, submit there you go. <laughs> so, do you how how much do you split you know when you're making these pins um, how many pins do you make for each landing page say for the smoothie client you know, you, you know it's going to work on Pinterest. You know it's a good, um, you know, fit for the audience. So when you're, okay, you set up a landing page. It looks really good. It's very simple. It's got a great call to action on it. How many pins do you have to go back to um, to that landing page? Well, with that example, it's really easy because there were, I think, 10 recipes. Wow. Okay. So there were one, at least one for each recipe. Then there would be one for the entire book. And then if we saw that one one pin in particular was doing well, we might go and create others that looked similar to it, maybe using the same font, same layout, same color scheme. Um, we might experiment with putting the entire recipe in the pin or in the pin image. So, I mean, we could easily come up with 30 different images for that one offer. Wow. And you know, when, it's, when it's numbered like that, it's really easy, but you can also do something very similar with any kind of ebook or video that you have by pulling out a quote um, or something something that you've illustrated in in the ebook or video okay well let's let's brainstorm real quick because I think this is this is like I think a lot of people don't think about this very well let's say that I um, I have a ebook that I've created it's you know how how guys can succeed on Pinterest okay and so that's that's the offer download my free ebook on how to you know succeed on Pinterest your guy so how many pins and what kind of pins would you do for something like that? I think that one could be really fun. Um, if you did something that was very branded to you, like I love the way Rebecca Radice, you can always tell right. what pins are hers because of that character. So I think it would be fun to come up with that manly Pinterest man, right? Right. And then, and then maybe in each heading of your ebook, depending on how long it is, you pull out a key point maybe a tip or an actionable item that they could use and just put one of them in that image and then have it linked back so that they can get the rest of them. So let's do that for as many of those points as you can find. Gotcha. So in the title of the pin, do you, um, do you put like, um, you know, download this now or how do you, how do you entice them to click through from the pin? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you have a call to action kind of in that pin title. Yeah, there should be a call to action. So if it was um, ways men can succeed on Pinterest and your tip was, I don't know, um, <laughs> pin, pin things you love, right? Okay, so we could come up with something better. But um, in your description, you would say um, get 10 other tips for guaranteed success on Pinterest here. Gotcha. And then I would actually put the URL right in the description because it does increase your chances of a click through. Yeah. 
Okay, so do you would you put anything on the actual image? Would you would there be on the like the actual pin, the actual image? Would you actually put a, any sort of call to action on that pin, or would you just leave it all in the description field, or do you do, kind of do both? You could do both. I would probably test that, okay. and that would be really easy to do. You'd have the one version that would just have the the guy and the tip on it, and then have another one that says click here to get nine more. Gotcha. Well, see, I think those are those are great good those are great points because. You know, a lot of times I see a lot of bloggers, and I do this myself, is, I, okay, I've got my content out. I'm going to make my blog image, and, I, and I, you know, I do the extra step of making one for Pinterest, but that's it. Then I'm done. You're done, right. Yeah, I'm like, phew, I'm done. I published on another. And I never really had wrapped my brain around, uh, I can do multiple images. Now, I know, uh, like, Peg Fitzpatrick and Rebecca Radice, they will... They'll refresh them, you know. After they'll go to some old blog posts and they'll they'll do some um, ones, you know, to, to refresh them and bring them back in the stream. But yeah. you're you're saying actually when you actually have that piece of content to do multiple pins for yeah. that same piece of content. Yeah, and you know I have done it for blog posts before, um, but really when you're creating a piece of downloadable content, you have spent so many hours on that. It really deserves more than just one pin. Right. And I assume that you schedule them out. You don't just dump all these at once. You have them scheduled out. Right. Yep. So um, usually, you know, with our client that, that we do this for, the month, we'll, we'll do it for a month for that one offer, and then we'll move on and, you know, keep pinning periodically, but really focus on it for a month. So do you um, – so they all go back to the same landing page during the month. Mm-hmm. Uh What's the best frequency when you pin? Is it, does it depend on clients? Do you pin at a certain time of day? How does that usually work? Well, it definitely depends on the client. And for frequency, we, I can't say that we've done any testing on how often you should do it. And the great thing about pins is, is they're incredibly long shelf life, right? So I've heard you say it before, and I've heard others say that it can be something that you pinned two years ago, and it's still bringing traffic. You know, one of my pins from an article that... I didn't really think anything of is is the biggest driver of traffic from Pinterest to my sites. You just never know what's going to happen. <laughs> right. So yeah, I wanna, I, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say I wanted to, you know, there are some people commenting on our um, our uh, Undertaker comment, and they've got some good points. So I want to bring this up from Lee Richter. He says, Undertaker not doing Pinterest, why not? The competition isn't doing it, so be the first. Thinking outside the coffin. <laughs> That's awesome, Lee. <laughs> That is a good point. You could be the first, and if you did it tastefully, you know, I think that would that might work. And and Mike Alton kind of goes on that topic as well. He says social media for and undertakers. I'll have to blog about that. Of course he will. He says yeah. clear stream with ideas about grief management, memor- uh, you know, helping moralize loved ones and so on. Not happy, but still helpful. That's a real good point. You know, we kind of said that flippantly, um, but yeah, grief management. There's there's stuff that you could do. That you, you, if you're creative like Mike is, that would really work probably on Pinterest. So I'm yeah, sorry. It, it goes back to what you were saying about figuring out where to be. You know, you really have to look at your buyer persona, you know, big HubSpot word, um, and figure out what their needs are, then figure out where they are. So it may well be that, yes, having encouraging quotes, peaceful thing, images could be the way to go. Yeah. There's a lot you need to do before you just jump on. <laughs> so. Yeah, and yeah, and you probably you know wherever you have those pins go, you don't want it to go straight to a Undertaker's you know website. You know you want to have 
they go to some articles about grief management. So there's some back-end stuff that would have to happen uh, when you do that. But Mike and, and Lee, those are great points. Mm-hmm. And uh, Laura, Laura Williams says the same thing. So um, anyway, I'm sorry for all the undertakers out there. Keep on <laughs> keep on pinning. Pinning, right. Um, back to you some questions. Uh, the other question I was going to ask you was, okay, you create all these pins. What kind of boards do you pin these images to for these multiple uh images that you, you're creating. Do you have certain styles that you use for certain boards? How exactly does that usually work when you're, like for the smoothie one that you did, do you, how do you, I mean, they're not probably all going to the same board. How do you space those out? Well, we would probably plan ahead. And so we would have a smoothie board ahead of time before we even release the content uh, and pin to that, pin other people's content to that. So by the time our offer comes out, we already have a, a great board. The, the other benefit to that is we can see what is working for pin styles for that topic, right? So we've had maybe a month to look and see what's popular and kind of base our images off of those. Right. Um, but that would be you know, just one place. We'll pin it anywhere it fits. So if we have a group board, if we have a board for all our blog posts, a board for site resources, free downloads, anywhere it can fit, we're going to pin it. But like you said, not not all at once we're gonna schedule it out do you use a lot of group boards in your in your strategy are, are you finding success with group boards yes definitely you, yeah especially when you're first starting out to get some exposure gotcha do you um do you got how do you for your clients create group group boards or you mostly join them i mean what's kind we, of your thinking behind that yeah we definitely we create them as well okay and so then do you go invite other pinners or are you, are you trying to build a, when you're doing your Pinterest strategy, are you trying to build engagement or is mostly your focus on traffic? Most of it's on traffic, but the engagement is going to lead to more traffic. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, I know in, from your articles and, uh, the things I've read about your, uh, in your, in your blogs. And like I said, your last, and I'll put that in the comments is your last, um, blog post really, uh, did a good job talking about this, this topic, but I know you're, you're, you really like big, strong calls to action. And we kind of talked about that in the submit button, but can, for our viewers, what, can you explain what a, a good call to action is and what does it look like? Sure. Well, a call to action is basically telling someone to do something. And in this case, it's encouraging a website visitor to take another action. So like um, with Overgo Studio on all their blog posts and on Scalable 2, you'll notice usually at the bottom, there'll be a very large banner type. And it will have an image. A lot of times it's uh, somewhat contrasting color to the rest of the website. So you really can't miss it. So that's kind of the design part of it. Mm-hmm. But as for the text, do you want to really entice with the benefits of what they're going to get when they click on that call to action? So with your example of, you know, of how men can succeed on Pinterest, you're going to spell that right out. Learn how you can succeed on Pinterest as a manly Pinterest guy. <laughs> Take yeah. tips there for free. <laughs> okay. So... I think, you know, and, and I know that we're seeing more marketers become on Pinterest because of the obvious benefits. Uh-huh. But I'm, I know, especially when you're writing a call to action, there's probably a, a fine line between enticing your viewers to go over and click and being really spammy. 
because we have all seen those spammy things in our stream, and you know that it's getting to me. It seems to be getting more prevalent. So, what tips would you give to people who are writing these? You know, just to, do you bullet point the? If you click here, you'll get this, 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 and this. Or, I know it's more of an art than science. So, what, when you're talking with somebody, how do you, how would you explain when you're sitting down a client? I want to say this because of, you know. So are you talking about the, a pin description or are you talking about a graphical CTA on a blog? Uh, let's do both because, I mean, I think there's there's probably differences between them. So let's start with the on the, the actual, you know, when they land on the landing page, the call to action. So how, how would you craft that? Well, the call to action really brings them to that landing page. Okay. But to me, the only kind of call to action on that page is going to be the submit button, which, which we agreed right. isn't they submit <laughs> right <laughs> but for a graphical um, call to action button that you might put at the end of a blog post um, there there sometimes might be a call for a bulleted list but I think the main point is to make sure that they know exactly what they're going to get and why they need it so to outline the benefits not the features right gotcha and then, um, oh, you asked about a pin description. A pin description, I think you want to even be a little more brief. Um, and I have seen the overuse of hashtags and all capital letters, and you don't need to yell at people on Pinterest. <laughs> just, <laughs> right, just a couple of sentences that outlines why you should click through. We'll do it. Gotcha. Well, let's let's do another real life example. Since I've got you here and it's I can pick your brain for free because you're on my show, we'll use me as an right. example again. Uh, uh, what would be um, a good? Let's say I'm, I'm pinning my video. Let's say we did the show or I, we did the Manly Monday pin up there. What mm -hmm. would be a good description to get people to go watch that video? What would you write? And, and I know that Vincent has said this before too. Is you want to keep it between 100 and 200 characters, so it's not going to be a real long, like a YouTube description. Um, what would be kind of your pointers on that? Well, I think I would start with you know the subject. Right. Um, have you ever wondered if Pinterest works for lead generation? Because honestly. I did when I first started um, with that particular client that I keep going back to that has been such a success. I, I knew it was great for traffic. When we started him with HubSpot, I thought, I really don't know if this is going to translate to leads, and of course it really did. Right. <laughs> so uh, other people out there must be wondering, does Pinterest work for lead generation, and if so, how? Get some actionable tips you can use today from my Hangout. Gotcha. Click here now. Okay, so do you did you uh, so click here now? That's what you would say in the description. Click here to listen okay. now. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, here's a thing. I know a question. I know we've all talked about before, but um, we know Pinterest can be a huge time suck, and you're creating a bunch of images for these people. So, yeah. how can businesses maximize the return on investment that they spend on Pinterest? Um, I mean, I know you you do it for clients, but you know, some of these people can't afford to have a big agency run it for them. So these small, these small businesses, maybe solopreneurs, are trying to figure out how to do all this stuff. How much time should they spend on Pinterest? And you know, what's the best way to track that for them? Okay. Well, it's going to depend on your business and how successful it is for you, of course. 
Um, but you need to get some tools, first of all. You need to get a scheduler because otherwise you're going to be glued to your computer at peak many times and nobody needs that. Um, you need a program to create graphics easily, which I know you know I'm a huge Canva fan. Anyone can use that. Right. Uh, and with their Pinterest templates, it takes 10 to 15 minutes tops to create a great image that's perfectly made for Pinterest. So use the tools that are available. And then, um, of course, you don't want to do everything automated. So I like to set aside maybe 10 to 15 minutes a day just to go in into Pinterest and talk to people, repin, like things, send a message maybe. Um, and I know when I'm up to my eyeballs in a marketing strategy document, sometimes I just need to go to my happy Pinterest pin for a while. Um, <laughs> but set a timer because, like you said, it's a, it's a time suck and you can just have so much fun. But that timer keeps you accountable and keeps you focused on business. But I forgot the most important thing, which is a strategy. You've got to have a strategy or you just be pinning randomly and kind of out of control. Right. Very good point. Very good point. Um, okay, we're gonna get we're getting down to some of our last questions, but I want to get really nerdy and geeky here. Um, do you use uh, UTM codes for tracking uh, now that Pinterest has started to allow them? I wish I could say yes, but no. <laughs> with Hub, with um, HubSpot, they make it so easy. Um, when a lead comes in, it will say down at the bottom where it came from. It will tell me exactly the pin it came from, so I know. As soon as a lead comes in, where it came from. But I think if you don't have that technology, definitely use it. Yeah, and it's really cool that they're doing that now on Pinterest. And for those of you who don't know what a UTM code is, it's a, a, a way you can set it up uh, in Google with your analytics to really track where it came from and just really drill down even more. Um, it's just it's really cool that they open that up for for people who are on HubSpot. <laughs> so. <That's right>. um, <laughs> Here's a couple questions I want to get to uh, real quick. Um, Laura Williams says, "Hey, Elisa, uh, we great point. If you have put the work in, it's worth more than one pin. I'm in the process of creating oodles of video clips from the past writing the shows, and you just gave me an aha moment. Thank Yay, you. Good. I'm so your glad. Work is, your work is accomplished. Yes. So, um, yeah. That I mean, that's what made me. Um, I mean, really think of it too is that." Um, Man, I, I never thought of, I mean, it does take a lot of extra work, um, but I think in the long run, because we've talked about how pins can, you know, when I even started Pinterest, I'm still getting pins, repins from those images, okay. and I think, uh, and you don't have to do them all at once, I think you could probably schedule them out, you know, if you put like two at, when you first push a piece of content out, and then kind of make sure you go back to it throughout the, the weeks and months and keep building stuff, I think that might be a good idea so you don't feel overwhelmed. All of a sudden I've got to make 10 pins, you know, for one piece of content, but yeah, yeah I got the same kind of aha moment when I read your article as well. Oh, and, and uh, Vincent um, says, oh my gosh, I hate it when people capitalize everything in their pin descriptions. Hi, Vincent. Yeah, so don't, don't make the, you know, keep the capitalization to a minimum. Yeah, don't yell, don't yell at him. And he says um, he is very excited that you have a happy place. Sounds like, <laughs> sounds like a legalized drug. So yeah, that's right. Thanks, thanks Vincent, from chiming in from Canada. So, yeah. Um, anyway, we're kind of getting up to the end of the time uh, right now, and so I want to ask you because okay. this is the Manly Pinterest Tip Show. 
Mm-hmm. What advice would you give a guy who's just getting started on Pinterest? Well, that's a fair question. Uh, I like the way that you got into it, which is frankly the way I did. If I understand right, you started using it as kind of a bookmarking tool, right? Right. Track of things that you love. So start using it that way, no pressure. But then search to Google things like Pinterest case study and read articles on blogs like mine and Overgo Studio because um, it really does work. And I think the numbers are going to draw you in even if nothing else does. <laughs> yeah, that was what, I mean, yeah, because I saw the, well, Peg Fitzpatrick and uh, Stefan Hamnanian had a hangout, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I started using it, and I started seeing all this traffic. And it's still, um, I, it's, it vacillates between the first and second uh of traffic to my site but it yeah it's just it's really cool and the shelf life of the pins are what what kept me going so um elisa where can we find more about you and your services i know you're on pinterest a lot i am on pinterest a lot uh, where can we read and and see your blogs and all that stuff okay you can go to scalablesocialmedia.com and you can go to overgostudio.com and then, of course, on Pinterest, I'm um, Scalable Social, and you can go to Overgo Studio, or you can tweet me at Alisa M. Meredith. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here, and sure, and, let me, and let me pick pick your brain for free for all those questions. That's I gotta go back and watch and take more notes. So anytime. <laughs> so um, we love for all the people watching. If you would go to mainlypinteresttips.com. Click on the sidebar and subscribe to our email community. I'll make sure that I change it so it doesn't say submit. And uh, that way you'll never miss out on a great guest like Elisa here today. Because we are continuing to add testosterone one pin at a time. See you next time, everybody. Thank you for joining Jeff on his mission to help you be successful in the Pinterest world. Would you like to take part in a live show? Be sure to join Jeff's email community at manlypinteresttips.com. Adding testosterone, one pin at a time.